Hey, hey, hey. It's Cameron. And it's Cameron. Jernigan. Oh, Paul. <laughs> and welcome to the, what is this? I think we're in week 11? 11? 11th wow, episode this semester has gone by fast. The Donley, the Donley Diaries. Diaries. I can't believe we're already in week 11. Yeah, it's flying by. Um, well, this episode, we're still, we're going to, we're going to finish out the senses, um, talk about touch and hearing, um, which, I mean, this whole, this whole, like, theme of neurobiology of senses has been my favorite part so far. Uh, I like the idea of things that we kind of take for granted that are just, like, we view as simplistic because we do them all the time and like experience them all the time and then realizing that there's so much more complex than we ever realized yeah yeah i've really enjoyed this section of talking about the senses i think i like it a lot because it's tangible and understandable yeah for me. it makes sense to me that the body is perceiving a stimulus in the environment and then transducing that signal to the brain and then sending a signal back to the body to decide how to move that is something I can understand. Yeah. It's like tangible stuff. Yes. And I think that is why I enjoy it so much and why I find it easier to comprehend is because I have an actual an actual like thing in front of me to, to understand rather than like a theoretical synapse that I can't actually see yeah. and manipulate. So I really enjoyed this section as well. All right, Jordan. So what was it in particular that you, that you found interesting this week? I think that the mechanism in which we hear is super fascinating mm -hmm. and i've thought that for a while uh, because i've had to learn s about hearing several times in different various amounts of detail but we talked about how hearing unlike any of the other uh, senses are mechanogated channels right so what happens is you have this you have all these hairs laid out and the shorter stiffer hairs are more at the front and the longer more loose hairs are at the back and so you have to have a really high frequency in order to stimulate these small short hairs, whereas it takes a lower frequency to stimulate these longer hairs. So this idea that each hair will, will move in response to a different frequency is really neat to me. So what happens is you have that hair move, and that's going to cause a sodium influx or a depolarization in that hair cell. And that hair cell is then going to dump neurotransmitter onto the neuron behind it. So I think that's a really fascinating way that we hear is all based on those frequencies and the lengths of the hair that are inside our ear. That's just really neat that they're mechanogated rather than any of the other ways like having receptors or anything like that. That's an interesting idea that you can have mechanogated channels inside a cell and inside the cell membrane. And I think that's something that's super neat and has fascinated me for a while. So I really enjoyed getting to look at it in a little bit more detail and understand the process of hearing a little bit better. It was, it was also neat to see that you have uh, that neuron just sitting right below each individual hair cell. Mm -hmm. So each individual hair cell is dumping neurotransmitter directly onto a neuron that's sending that um, auditory nerve fiber. It's sending that to the right to the brain. I also thought it was interesting that with these mechanogated receptors, that these hairs can be moved in certain directions that cause a hyperpolarization of the hair cell. It makes sense to me that you can have a depolarization by opening these channels, but it's strange that you can also hyperpolarize it by, by shutting those channels off in a different way. So overall, I just think the idea of hearing is super complex and super neat, and I like that it's a little bit different than all the other senses. Yeah, I agree. I think... And also, this is, like, kind of off topic, but, like, whenever I think about hearing, like, 
to start thinking about the ears. And I think it was anatomy one, whenever we learned about, like we have three little bones in our ear that help with like hearing, like it's like the, the waves. The malleolus. Come, yeah, <laughs> like the, the malleus, the incus and the stapes. Oh, you knew this. Um, and so you like, it's like that little hammer, like you get the, the, the vibrations come into your ear and like you get this like, uh -huh. like there's actually, like you said, like it's mechanical, like you have uh -huh. this like bone that's pounding yeah. and causing like more, like the vibrations to go into your ear further. Yeah, that, just, that complex pathway I described is just right at the receptor, but there's all these other things that. Before that, it like even gets yeah, to Yeah, before it even gets to the receptor. So hearing in general is super neat. Yeah. Um, what about you, Cameron? What's something that you found to be interesting or intriguing from this section of the video? Well, I really like hands-on stuff. Uh -huh. So whenever we did the touch, like the oh, like actually hands on. Yes, like <laughs> yeah, like actually hands on stuff. The the like two point discrimination test. Uh -huh. I thought that was really really interesting. Um, yeah, it helped to put like a tangible idea to this concept of mm -hmm. two receptor points. It was weird, like feeling it and thinking it was one or two when it wasn't or it was. I don't know. Well, yeah, and being like, I I think it was also a strange concept to be like, okay. I know I should be feeling two yeah. different points and I don't Yeah, like I should feel two and I'm trying to feel two, but I just can't like, I, like if I opened my eyes, I wouldn't be surprised if there was only one toothpick touching me. Uh -huh. Um, but this idea of like being able to distinguish between two points at different parts on the body, like more sensitive parts of the body, like mm -hmm. on our fingers and on our, like, like face. Our, our face and hands yeah. yeah you see those goofy diagrams it's like it's like the brain that shows like different parts of the body that are like massive and small yeah. yeah and you're like able you're like able to distinguish between these two points a lot easier on these like on these locations whereas like on like your thigh or on your like your foot or something you wouldn't it's a lot more difficult to be like oh this is two separate mm -hmm. points it's like it just feels like someone's poking me yeah. and, I, and I wouldn't be able to tell um, and yeah, oh, like the overall understanding, like it makes sense. It's like, okay, like we use our hands for finite things uh -huh. and like our face is very sensitive. Like if you get like a, like a scratch on your face hurts a lot more than if you get like uh -huh. a scratch on your leg or something. But then like the understanding with the neurons, like if there's more convergence mm -hmm. with these neurons, you're not going to be able to discriminate as much because like two points, you know, that are an inch away on your leg might be converging on the same neuron. Yeah. I I thought it was also neat because it gave us like a really good description of a frequency code. We talked about or I talked about not yeah. understanding that a couple a couple episodes back. So now that we can put it into a little bit more like definable terms like the frequency code, you're having more frequency. Like you, the the harder you push on your skin, the more you're able to tell that that you're like have a stimulus right so like a little touch feels different than a hammer hitting your arm because you're having more of a frequency at that neuron mm -hmm. or but also you see you see different aspects of also like a population code the more neurons that are being involved mm -hmm. in there the stronger the stimulus so it was neat getting to see those those uh, coding mechanisms those neural coding mechanisms come into play here with touch and how both of those can work together to build our perception of touch yeah, yeah. All, right. All, right. all right well we'll move into the next section then where we're going to talk about our learning goals and how we built upon those in the past uh, section of material. All right, Jern. So what was it that you thought from the section that applied to your learning goals or what did you find elsewhere? All right. So the learning goal I want to kind of 
expand on today is my goal of um, identifying the different structures and functions of, of the brain and nervous system and learn how these many different parts communicate with one another. So the structure that we talked about um, had to do with the auditory cortex of the brain. So I already talked about how, um, how we kind of have this tonotopic map in the basilar membrane of the cochlea and how it's laid out with these links of hairs that will all correspond to different um, pitches at different hertz stimulating these different hairs. Well, what's really neat about this is this stimulus is sent to the brain. And then in the brain, we look at the primary auditory cortex and we see that the primary auditory cortex is laid out in the same tonotopic map that we see in the cochlea. So that means that these specific frequencies that are required to stimulate these different hairs not only have specific areas in the cochlea that they correspond with, but they also have different specific regions within the primary auditory cortex of the brain that allows these different stimulus to be processed as specific pitches and hertz and everything like that. So that was really neat to see that not only was this map present inside the cochlea, but it's also present inside the brain where we're perceiving and understanding a lot of this stimulus and a lot of this auditory information we're receiving. So that was really neat to get to learn more about the auditory cortex. Another thing that I really liked and really built upon my learning goal of different regions of the brain was these uh, motor area maps that we saw from this lecture. What we saw is that different parts of the body make up different sections of the brain. So we see that these huge sensory perception regions in the brain for things like our face and our hands and our, um, and our tongue and things like that, and then smaller regions for like thighs or stuff like that. So it was neat to see that the brain has these specific regions within it dedicated to um, different senses, such as the auditory cortex or these sensory perceptions that are in our cortex as well. All right, Cameron, what learning goal did you build upon this week? Well, when I first started talking about touch, like I said, I like to think about what happens whenever things go wrong. Uh -huh. um, so I started thinking about which everyday tasks can damage our neurons. Um, and so I started looking and I was like, I was like, you know, what, what is every day that I do <laughs> that could like could potentially be a cause of nerve damage? And so I started thinking, I was like, you know, one, one thing I've always wondered about is like from playing. So I, I played soccer, like from, you the did time play I was, soccer. <laughs> from the time I was three until what, like 19? Sure. Whenever I was here and quit. Whenever you quit. Yes. Can't take it anymore. No, whatever. And one thing I thought about, I was like, I was like, I don't really feel pain in my shins anymore. Because I get hit in my shins over and over again, like for the past like 15 years. Okay. And so I started like looking into it. I was like, I was like, what if, what if there's like some sort of like nerve damage? Not that, you know, it's anything like too bad. Just uh -huh. like, like maybe... Maybe something like that. And I started finding like... Or even like long-term depression within that region. <laughs> yeah, something something like that. So I started started thinking. I was like, it's like maybe repeated like blunt trauma to, to that area could cause nerve damage. and To the I, sensory nerves around there? Yeah, to, to like the, the peripheral nerves around my shins. And so I started looking and <clears throat> and that, that is what I found. I, I, I found an, uh, a couple articles talking about like repeated blunt trauma to... Um, lower extremities can cause nerve damage. Mm. Um, 
I didn't really find much of a mechanism or anything like that. They just have seen that like with, and not even necessarily in soccer. Cause I tried to find things like that. I tried to find uh-huh. like, you know, if other soccer players have experienced this, which I'm sure they have, but I don't think there's a, been any studies done on it, but this repeated blunt trauma in, in the lower extremities, like you can get um, this like loss of sensory perception. Yeah. Um, so that's something for me that, you know, used to be an everyday thing is yeah. I would get kicked in the shins for like three hours <laughs> a day. Um, so yeah, that's something that I, I thought really contributed to my learning goals yeah. was, was this idea of like, like nerve damage. That, and I wonder if that damage is coming from, well, damage to the receptors at the site because they're taking this, this beating all over, over and over again. Right. So that you're having receptor damage. So they're not being able to like acknowledge that stimulus as much. Or if it's almost like your brain is trying to turn down that stimulus because it's getting so much stimulus from that region of your body. If your brain almost compensates and like turns down those synapses and, and turns down those receptors. Maybe it's like a pain tolerance thing. Yeah, maybe it's trying to reduce the, the stimulus it's receiving. Or maybe it's trying to reduce the information it's receiving from that stimulus. So right. it's downplaying or downregulating. It would almost be like a, yeah, like a downregulation. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, like if we were thinking about it in terms of like neurotransmitter release it would take more like a, a higher degree of depolarization in order to release yeah. the same amount. Like long-term of, depression. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and move into our final segment of today's podcast. And we're going to talk about um, some things that were a little challenging to us, or maybe some things that we didn't quite fully understand from this little section of material. All right, Jaren, so now it's time to talk about what we found difficult, which there's always something, as we've said before. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with what you found difficult this week. All right. So we sort of hit on this during last week's podcast and how it was something that was already difficult for us. But then we saw it pop back up again in this section of material responding to touch. So something that is still kind of giving me some grief is the idea of the lateral inhibition. (laughs) Some grief. Yeah, some grief. I don't understand. Yeah. Anyways. Something that's giving me some trouble is the lateral inhibition of neurons. So I think that with touch, I understand the need for it a little bit more. It, if you have the lateral inhibition, you're going to be able to sense where that touch is coming from a lot better, and you're going to have a lot more acuity in where you're sensing that stimulus. So that idea of the need for this lateral inhibition is a lot more clear for me with this sense However, I really don't understand the mechanism of it. Mm. I understand that we're trying to inhibit the areas around us so we can better pinpoint where our stimulus is coming from and better respond to it. But how is it that the depolarization or the excitation of one neuron is causing the hyperpolarization or the um, inhibition of another? And so we talked about how we're activating GABAergic interneurons that are causing this um, the, or this hyperpolarization of nearby neurons, but I'm still just a little bit confused on how we're causing the activation of those GABAergic interneurons, and then how exactly those GABAergic interneurons are um, inhibiting the nearby neurons. And I understand that GABA is, is having that inhibitory effect, but I just wonder how exactly the activation of one neuron is causing the activation of a GABAergic interneuron. And I assume it's signaling to it somehow to cause this um, interference and this inhibition. But that's something that I would like a little bit more clarification on so that I can better understand the mechanism of lateral inhibition during a sense of touch. 
All right, Cam. So what's something that kind of challenged you or maybe just something you want to learn more about because you don't fully understand it from this section? Well, I think I'm really interested in in all of these different types of nerve endings. Like we have the Merkel discs and like the free nerve endings. And I, I, I think it's really cool that we've now figured out what each of these different nerve types are there to do. Like the Merkel discs will sense vibrations. We have these free nerve endings that <clears throat> sense pain that we kind of talked about. Maybe those are what's being damaged and like repeated blunt trauma and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but then like things like Meissner's corpuscles that sense mm -hmm. light touch, like we have different nerves that like sense light touch. Yeah. That's, that's just weird to me. And I don't know how we've like been able to determine that and, and things like that. And like, I, I also thought that was confusing because we talked about how an aspect of touch is frequency dependent, but the idea that we have some nerves the neurons that are that are sensing light versus heavy touch almost goes against the idea that we have a frequency dependent code yeah and it almost seems more like a label line code to me where you have a specific type of pressure is required to cause that kind of depolarization so i don't know that kind of just even puts more complicated uh, aspects into the idea of neural coding is like having things as such as these types of core muscles yeah so i'd like to learn more about learn more about those like what, why how how, how do we know these things? Why do we... And like, what is the purpose of having so many different types? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All, right. All right. Well, that wraps us up for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll uh, talk to you later. That's it for the Domley Diaries. Diaries.